you know, a lot of these decisions are important and make a lot of difference for whether or not you're going to have a successful brand. I mean, I didn't... My second page isn't those colors. Well, but the back consistency page is, is important when it comes to branding, Katie. It doesn't look like this booklet that you're making for just your students is going to be very successful. But... If I don't know anything about branding, and I don't, <laughs> so you got to be consistent. That's why I'm a dick online, and I'm a dick in person. Except to me. You're not very on brand at home. I'm a dick to the cats. That's true. <laughs> Football will vouch for that. But, like, I pick on the people I love. Okay. And I love on the people I pick. Oh, that's nice. Right? That's nice. I'm so great. I tried to explain myself and not rely on this reoccurring plot. Maybe I will just admit I'm an asshole. The soles of my shoes are wearing thin. I find myself pulling too much at my skin. I will just be young with a face full of wrinkles. Welcome to the Edgy Punks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Bideman, here with another uh, episode of the Edgy Punks Podcast. This is a podcast for everyday educators and daily disruptors, and today is our one-year anniversary podcast episode. We've been a podcast for a year now. That's so wild for me to think about. Seems like just yesterday I was trying to figure out how to do this, and he- here we are. Uh, very excited to share with you the this episode because it's a little bit different. Katie had the idea of an episode about me and getting into how I got into education, what punk means to me, what counterculture means to me, what challenging authority means to me, and all that other fun stuff that we normally do when we talk to other people. Katie wanted to have that conversation with me because I, I re- we realized I hadn't really shared a whole bunch of about myself throughout the podcast. It's been sprinkled here and there, but whatever. Yeah, so that's what today's episode is all about. This week's episode, uh, it's about me, as self-absorbed as I normally am. Uh, This is just more of a general, hey, this is the kind of person Craig is, I guess. Uh, This week, uh, uh, we also unveil a brand new logo, a new brand that was created by our friend Lauren Lavin. Uh, she is out on the West Coast in California, uh, and she developed this uh, this design of three pencils in the same three arrow brand that is a brand for anti-fascism. And so the symbolism of this new brand is to launch us into the upcoming years of political discourse in hopes that education will be the thing that brings us all together in challenging the ruling class, the people who are trying to keep the punks quiet, who are trying to silence the educators and the educated, and instead we can rise up and resist through education. That is my hope with this new brand. And this week you're going to hear music from the brand new Retirement Party album, which is called Somewhat Literate. It is out now on uh, Counterintuitive Records. So you're going to hear a bunch more from that album throughout this episode. You're going to hear more from me throughout this episode. And we'll thank a whole bunch of people later on. But for now, let's get to this conversation with me and Katie Ham, My best friend, Katie Ham. This was this was their idea. To do this episode. So if you don't like it, blame Katie.
Greg. What's up? Not much. How, how you doing? No. You. Sorry, I interrupted no, you, you. No, you. You go ahead. I'm sorry. No. What were oh. you saying? I. Uh, um. Hello. Hi. How are you? I. I am okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an okay day? Yeah, it was very busy. Good. But, uh, Busy's like good. It went a little better than yours. So, oh. I'm sorry you had a rough day. Ah, you know, classic me. Ups and downs. One minute I'm doing great, and the next minute, don't know if I want to be doing anything. Classic me. That is pretty classic you. Katie, I started this podcast a year ago. That's wild. Yeah. Already been a year. One year since I accidentally messed up a bunch of recordings and eventually got it right. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin Forge and Alex McElroy for really coming in clutch. I should do follow-up interviews with them eventually <laughs> to kind of make up for it. <laughs> oh, these are good. Well, Alex will probably write a book again and I can bring him back on. Who knows That's if true. Kevin will do anything of worth. Oh my god. <laughs> You're so mean. Again. Anyway. <laughs> so you started the podcast a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I don't think everybody, I mean, you're pretty good at networking and showing yourself, but I don't yeah. know if everybody really knows like who you are or what you do. Yeah, so, that's fair. Um, how about you do that? Mm. That's... Who are you? I guess it's about time. Who are you? I guess it's about time to share something like that. Y- yeah. Something deep and personal and vulnerable. Something I've never done on this podcast. Never been vulnerable. I totally have. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the folks who have listened to the podcast enough, who've stuck around, they've picked up on stuff here and there, but... For real, my job, my life centers around a lot of things. That's true. <laughs> including this podcast. But um, I write a lot. Uh, I've been a writer for as long as I can remember. I won a poetry contest in middle school and I won one in high school. And I kept doing little things that had to do with writing. And that's really what my first passion in life was was writing and creating stuff and I'm a big fan of uh putting ideas out there into the world and this podcast became one of those things after I spent <clears throat> a few years kind of amassing a bunch of friendships and networking opportunities and meeting a bunch of different colleagues and connecting with people over social media and this became like kind of a just a cool other project <laughs> In my daily work now, I am a health education specialist at UMass Boston, where I do a lot of mental health work. I do a lot of sexual health work, consent, sexual assault prevention, um, relationship, communication stuff, um, overall wellness, just like helping students take care of themselves. And it's a lot of stuff that seems normal like it seems explanatory yeah it seems like stuff you should know it's like common sense stuff but sometimes i just think people need little reminders a little kick in the ass sometimes that's how i describe it to students every now and again is like sometimes you need a kick in the ass so that you actually like do the thing you know that you're supposed to do like reminding folks to sleep and to eat like full stop like (laughs) Some people just don't know how to do both or either of those things. Yeah. And so, especially when students get really busy with school and whatnot, they tend to, something gives. (laughs) Something falls to the side. And I mean, I wasn't a great student in terms of taking care of myself, but like, I didn't really have really any, uh, any, uh, context for what college was or even how to like be a college student I was the first person in my family to even go to college 
let alone graduate high school. And so when I was on my own for the first time, I had no idea what I was doing. And I had no idea jobs like mine, the one that I have right now, I didn't even know jobs like this existed until I was halfway through college. And then even when I went away to grad school, this is not what I intended to go to grad school for. When I went to get my master's, I wanted to do like student activities work. And I ended up getting an assistantship in the health office. And that's kind of where my life took off. And getting into the health and wellness field has been really great ever since that. Because the really only consistent thing in my life has been like exercise. And that's been a big part of my life for years. And so I run a lot. I'm outside a lot. Do you run? Yeah, I do run. I ride my bike every single day to work and home. And today was like the worst ride because we had torrential downpour for uh, six hours. Yeah. And it was clear when I left. And it was the worst bike ride of my life. And it was terrible. But thankfully, Katie brought me a change of clothes or some, some dry stuff. Help me out. I did. Look at me. I'm being nice. You're great. And uh, a coffee, too, which was great because I didn't, that saved me a trip I had to make because all of our cafes are closed during the summer for a reason of which I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, beyond all that, I've also teased uh, some stuff that I make music and I'm working with a band now and. I do that as a project. I'm writing a book, which I've talked a little bit about, um, how to prepare college students a little bit better at attending college or not going to, to college, you know? Maybe take a break first. I don't know. All of those are suggestions. But yeah, those are lots of things about me. Well, and I'm sure you have talked about being from Oregon. Yep, I went to Oregon State University, got my BAs in English and Education, Going to Oregon this week. Going to interview some people while I'm there. And you hey, Tux. taught high school English for a year. I did teach high school English for a year, which was a lot of fun. I taught English and writing. Um, and some of the students that I taught there, I'm still very much in touch with and have done creative projects with. And um, teaching at that point in my life was not great. <laughs> for a few reasons I just wasn't taking good care of myself I was also still drinking at the time and that was a big indicator of why I stopped drinking because <laughs> I would drink a bit after I got home from teaching and it just became a natural routine that got unhealthy and then I realized that the teaching itself was the problem and now I'm you know sober I've shared that plenty of times mm-hmm. I got more, I think I got the deepest in that when I chatted with Julian about mm-hmm. getting clean. And, um, but the sobriety definitely came out of me not re- realizing that I needed to stop teaching <laughs> and grow up a little bit. And now I've grown up a bunch and I'm almost six years sober and am a much better teacher and person than I ever was then. Uh, so, I mean, I think if I went to go teach today, I'd probably be much better at it. <laughs> hey, Tux. Probably still climb on desks. I mean, I still do that at UMass Boston. <laughs> I do that all the time. I was, so... standing on a, I was standing on a push cart today and fell off of it. Oh, my God. That's why you're not supposed to stand on things with wheels, Craig. During uh, skip practice. Oh, Tux, are you trying to you trying to bite me, guy? Don't leave him alone. Come back up. <laughs> you just bullied him off. I again. didn't mean to, Tux. I know come back. you like playing with him, and he's a little feisty sometimes. You've heard us talk about our cats. Hi, buddy. I'm probably gonna leave that in. Okay. <laughs> Do whatever. I think the story of you being adopted and how that happened is fascinating. I think legally I'm allowed to talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can never run for public office. That sucks. Uh, What? 
Probably not. Why? I mean, I don't know. That makes no sense. Because my mom made a fake birth certificate for me. <laughs> I I am what the birthers wanted to find about <laughs> Barack Obama. Where's the birth certificate? <laughs> That's me. I had a fake one. For, you had one. It just wasn't changed. For to them. 14 years, I had a fake one floated through the Salem Kaiser School District. Hopefully no one there hears this, but I was registered as the wrong person for a while. But now we're good, uh, and I'm legally who I am, which is sick. Oh, my Lord. Uh, my mom and dad uh, took a big risk, and it paid off, and it worked out, and technology wasn't as good as it could have been. Otherwise, who knows? Who knows where I'd yeah. be? But, uh Yeah. Being adopted school, I think I've talked about that a little bit, but it's also one of those things that I was just talking with someone about <clears throat> the other day, actually at Starbucks, mm-hmm. about how like being adopted is like a weird feeling of not really having like, not really feeling like you have a family that you truly feel connected with. Like, granted, I have, like, my parents and my siblings and the people who raised me. But, like, there's such a disconnect there still. Because, like, I know that they're not really my parents or my siblings. And, like, I feel I think it feels differently than if you are blood-related to someone. I mean, I don't know because I don't Mm -hmm. know. But I feel like people tend to have a little bit more of a attachment there and like since we moved away and i'm so far away from them like there are literal days i don't even think about my family and that's weird because i talk to so many students who like are homesick or live with their families and come to school Mm -hmm. and like i'll be like yeah i haven't talked to my mom in like four months and they'll be like really i'm like yep we don't talk that much so well, your family is also like significantly older. Yeah, like it's not like you were, you know, like two years younger than your siblings. Yeah. What is that? What's the age difference there? My closest sibling is nine years older than me, and I have and nieces. There's... I have a niece older than me that has three kids, and I have a niece. Younger, like, just a couple years younger than me that also has three kids. So, like, my family's huge. And, like, my oldest sibling is 53. (laughs) And so, like, there's not a lot that we have to just get along. So I think that might be part of it, too. Like, that they're so much older than you, so it's not... Yeah, and I mean, I was kind of raised... I was kind of raised in a household without my siblings because they were grown up. Mm-hmm. And so I never really felt like I had, like, that close of a connection to my family. But my friends have become my family. And the people that I have chosen to be in my life are the people that I truly care about and love and take care of me. And, um, well, like, you can have both. You can. <laughs> and it's it's still hard for me. Like, I have a lot of feelings about that and especially since my dad died he was like the one that was like the closest to me and the person that meant the most to me and my family even though for as problematic as he was at times (laughs) he was the person I actually felt comfortable talking to about things and I know that he came to me for the same reason so um it's just been hard since losing him and I think that that was also a big reason why I started like taking more of a a proactive approach to taking care of my mental health and Mm -hmm. my brain and my, the way I eat and the way I exercise and all that stuff. Took losing dad to finally recognize I should probably take care of myself. That's funny (laughs) because I had like the opposite reaction of like, well, and I suppose they're like very different. Like your dad was older and had lots of like, that dude survived, it, like, almost everything. Yeah, four heart attacks, two strokes, uh, diastolic heart failure, pancreatic cancer, <laughs> lung cancer That's three insane. times. Um, he had, oh, and he also had prostate cancer. 
Um, he had three types of cancer in, when he died, and he actually didn't die of lung cancer. He died of pneumonia. That's wild. <laughs> because his lungs were so destroyed. Well, and I th- maybe that's like part of the difference, because like I've lost people suddenly and mm-hmm. very young. Yeah. So like he struggled. I don't have that. Like I just like I'm like I'm gonna live my best life because yeah. I could die three hours from now. Yeah, and that's like the, I think the best thing we can do, and like the, one of the biggest things that I've learned through watching my dad die slowly over twelve years is just you're not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he always told me that too. Like we're not promised the next day. So, um, another thing he told me is like, when you go, make sure that you don't either, you don't have any loose ends or you don't have anyone who hates you. And so that's been also a big thing on my, on my brain is mm-hmm. trying to like, make sure the people that are in my life actually know that I care about them. And while I'm a narcissistic asshole most of the time, uh, I think the people who are in my life who know that I care about them know that yeah, 100%. I think so. And so um, I know that my dad, when he died, he was he was fine to go. <laughs> it's not like I think some of the circumstances you've lived with where they were there yeah. yesterday just fine and then today they're gone sort yeah. of thing. Mine was, I went and saw my dad, like, literally the week before he died. Mm -hmm. And slowly over that week, I watched him deteriorate. And um, that was, like, an accumulation of 12 years, though. Yeah. And that's, like, like we've just had very different experiences in losing people. So that's, like, that's an interesting thing that I think, like, we have... I think been able to support each other and also like knowing that our situations have been completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I also found out that my biological mother died in a very weird way. I was just informed by someone, uh, I think an aunt on Facebook, oh, that's right? That like a weird. biological aunt that I have never met and do not know. Was in one of my, in the other Facebook inbox, the like hidden one, mm-hmm. had told me that my biological mother died while in prison. And it was a message that I didn't see. And it was there for like two months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just read this and I was like, oh, okay, this is information. Because I didn't know my biological mm-hmm. mother at all. And then... um and then I got on that bus for four days. Oh, my God. That Greyhound bus for that four days. That trip was bad. It was rough. If I had it to do all over again, I'd probably still do it. But Really? Probably. Why? I have great stories from it. Oh, my like, God. Like telling that woman I'd suck her dick. <laughs> oh, my God. What was the situation from that? Because she took a, she took someone's seat, right? seat yeah. and we were like, hey, that guy just went to the bathroom. Like she had just joined the the trip. The trip. And um we were like, hey, that guy just went to the bathroom. He's been sitting there for literally three days. And we've all been on this. And I was sitting back there with like a couple of trans like a trans couple. And we were just like annoyed that this person got on and did that and she she just yelled oh shut up and suck my dick and i'm like i will i will do that in front of all these people i will suck your it is 4 a.m i will suck a dick right now (laughs) get out of his seat and she ended up moving which was great she apparently did not want me to suck her dick and the trans people next to me were like she she could have had a dick. And I was like, probably. That's valid. <laughs> it's entirely possible. And again, you are questioning me. <laughs> yeah. Do not question my ability of whether or not I'll suck your dick on a Greyhound bus in the middle of Colorado. No, we were in Idaho. Whatever.
Hey everyone, Jacqueline here from In Between Spins. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Edge of Punks podcast. I'm just dropping by to tell you a little bit more about In Between Spins. It probably comes as no surprise that I love collecting vinyl. It's been a hobby and a huge obsession of mine for over a decade. And over the years, I've had the pleasure of meeting and connecting with other femme and non-binary vinyl collectors through social media and record fairs. However, this space is still heavily dominated by men, and this is why I created In Between Spins. Every week, I'll share pieces of my record collection, books I'm reading, art I'm enjoying, and whatever else I'm doing in between spinning records. In addition to the In Between Spins YouTube channel dedicated to femme and non-binary vinyl collectors, the first quarterly zine is available now to purchase with all proceeds going to Trinity Place Shelter, a homeless shelter in New York City for LGBTQ youth. This first scene is centered on feminism and how we navigate relationships with male figures in our lives. If you'd like to get involved with the channel or zine, feel free to reach out to me on social media or email hello at inbetweenspins.com. Talk to you all soon and enjoy the rest of this episode. talked a little bit about your education side what about your punk side yeah. um yeah. so like how did you get into punk or just this culture the, stuff yeah like all of that so like i don't know um i've always felt that like punk culture is um i've always been attached to like the counterculture and kind of being a different person, I've always been, like, the weird kid. I dressed in, like, all black growing up. Or, like, I had the, like, baggy pants. And I was just kind of, like... Jenko jeans? No, I didn't have Jenko <laughs> jeans. But I I definitely was not one of those kids that tried to fit in because I just knew I wouldn't just knowing what was going on in my brain. Like I knew I just wanted to reject everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. And the music I got into eventually, I know we've already covered that I was very much into a butt rock phase, but I eventually, I eventually got into music that helped me like expand and explore the world. And a lot of it was, um, punk and punk adjacent and learning more about, like resistance and challenging um the like societal norms just became a big part of my like college life and um when i, I you were about challenging authority well before that oh though, and right? i've <laughs> i've been challenging authority since middle school when i would get in trouble for just asking questions of why did it this happen this way? Why did this happen? Like I always just like bugged every teacher because I didn't like to accept answers. I didn't like to, and cause especially when they didn't make sense to me. And like, I think one of the earliest things that like bugged me was the idea that someone, um, someone put up an argument that like people can't be born gay and I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Pe- people are born certain way. Uh, why would they make it de- that decision? That's a thing in there. This doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> and like, I would say that like that. And then I'd get in trouble and sent to the principal's office because I disrupted class, which is tight. Um, but yeah, I kind of have always been like challenging authority and college is where I really found that voice. Like I was always like, at while I was pretty obnoxious, I was very self-conscious at the same time. And college was the place where I found that people will actually listen to someone's voice. If you speak up loud enough and with like some sort of passion behind what you have to say. And so, um, I, I eventually became an RA and I think that that's where I really found my voice. I was already in like a metal band and doing all this fun music stuff. But then I became an RA and <clears throat> I f- finally got my first taste of what um, higher education administrators and just people in the field were like. And I didn't like it. Like I really didn't like a lot of the people who were like RDs or just even in like positions of power 
in our in our university and I would challenge them and I got into a lot of trouble. I should have been fired three times as an RA in one year. I should have been fired three times. Um, but the supervisor I had is and was one of the greatest supervisors I've ever had. And Jill Childress, whose birthday is today when we're Aww. recording this, June 4th. Nice. Happy Jill, birthday, Jill. Jill is one of the greatest human beings that has ever lived, even though she worked at U of O first. But it's fine. Whatever. You went to U of O first. It's fine. We're not going to. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, you transferred. No. I did transfer. I made the right decision, and so did Jill. And Jill is still there, and I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Oh, my God. Nailed it. Ba-dooms. Nailed it. Uh, but Jill, like, fought for me, which was which was the first time I saw the, the side of student affairs that inspired me. Um, because I saw a professional willing to put themselves even on the line for a student that they knew had good intentions and was just a little bit different. And I, I was the RA that did not take anyone's shit. And then I was elected a student body president and I didn't take anyone's shit. We were inaugurated and that was the only day I wore a tie the entire student, you know, the entire time I was a student body president. Um, the entire time we campaigned, I was just in like punk stuff all day, every day. And then, uh, eventually got, uh, the job and we really just tried to act, um, from our morals and our ethics, Charlie and I, when we ran, when we ran the programming board and the Memorial Union organization at Oregon State, we really tried our hardest not to give in to a lot of um, norms that we felt were oppressive and tried to lead by somewhat of an example. And that was actually, and I've said it before, that that was like the first, that year was like the first time I really truly learned about white privilege and it changed the world for me and um, was the year that I really got into activism and um, I eventually came out that year. I got into a lot of therapy that year. It was a really big year for me and um, the the whole counterculture lifestyle kind of has always just been a part of me. And it's fun because I know that I I interact with a lot of professionals in the field and I tend to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I've been rubbing people the wrong way since I was 13. So this is nothing Mm -hmm. new. Like if anyone thinks that it is something new. I don't think anyone thinks it's something new. Um, but speaking of Charlie, you ran another organization in your undergrad with Charlie too, right? Oh fuck yeah, we ran we ran a concert planning committee called the uh, Oregon State Musicians Guild, where I put on over a hundred gigs in three years, which was a lot. And uh, music and event planning, concert planning, became like a big part of my life, and um, developing a lot of DIY ethics through that was one of the most important things I think I've ever done. And I hate that I, it took you reminding me of that because (laughs) I literally talked to Charlie like a few hours ago. And and so it should be fresh in my memory, but um, I know how your brain works. Yeah. And we, we actually, we, we arranged a gig from West coast, East coast over the last few weeks and are doing it this weekend in Oregon. I'm very excited for it. And um, we just learned real quick how to like, make gigs happen and how to develop good ethics with bands and how to teach a level of like musicianship and um, professionalism within that sort of scene where I'm not necessarily the most professional human being, but when it comes to like gigs, there are some stuff that you really do need to be on the ball with and like Uh showing up, supporting the bands, being there for the bill, um, loading in, loading out, being ready to go. Like there's a lot, uh, a lot to do there. And, uh, enough people at the university saw that Charlie and I were working our asses off and we eventually became university stage managers for a few years. So anytime they did a major concert, they really only trusted us because we were, we were the guys that could do it. And we were, we, we knew how to talk to musicians. We knew how to, we knew how to, um, make things happen. We knew the people to talk to about getting stuff done. And so 
they trusted us to do it. And um, that's one of the cool things I think about the work that we did during undergrad. It was just showing that you can do this work and show up however you want and still get shit done. And I think that that is like punk professionalism. (laughs) All right. Time for another quick break from the conversation with me and my best friend, Katie Ham. Uh, as kind of referenced earlier in the episode, this has been kind of a rough week for me, even though we're kind of celebrating this really cool landmark episode one year of the podcast. It's also just been a rough, like, mental health week for me. So I wanted to remind folks about one of my favorite resources out there, which is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can get support right now by reaching out to suicidepreventionlifeline.org or by calling 1-800-273-TALK, which which is 8255 1-800-273-TALK if you need to need any sort of support from anyone uh and the suicide prevention lifeline can help you also reach out to the crisis text line if talking on a phone isn't as comfortable for you if you text talk to 741741 you'll be able to just text with someone who can who can help you out a little bit and honestly feel free to reach out to us on social media or via email if you'd like someone to talk with as well um, I'm here to help uh, I know I've been going through some stuff I even got a call uh, asking if I could help with some folks during the recording of this episode so if you uh, or anyone you know needs some support please reach out to the suicide prevention lifeline 1-800-273-TALK now back to this conversation all right so yeah. we talked about the edu the we edu. talked about the punks <laughs> i see what you're doing ah, now we now talk about it. the podcast now we talk about the podcast but we didn't talk about the oh my god <laughs> um edu anyway punks podcast yeah yeah i got it it's i had a plan anyway (laughs) so you've been doing the podcast for a year now a year once a week you don't get any craig time because i'm editing this podcast (laughs) yeah it's fine one month a year you don't get much time with me that's fair and that's this month so we're fitting it in before i get super busy sick Um, but, uh, so, yeah, what about, um, like, what things have you learned about running a podcast from oh. doing this? You really need to make sure, especially when you're recording over Skype and <laughs> video stuff, you need to make sure it's recording. <laughs> uh, How many times did you lose everything? Three times. Two, two times. Three, one time. I think three times. Yeah, three times. And two of those times we re-recorded and it was, it's not my favorite moment because I try to like, one of my biggest things in life is trying to make sure I'm not wasting someone's time Uh when I ask them to be involved in something. Like all of the guys in my band, I'm just like, I hope I'm not wasting your time. Like, honestly, I just want to make sure you want to do this. And do you still like the music we're making? Okay, good. Like I check with everyone. But like when I do this podcast and I reach out to someone, I want to make sure that I'm not wasting their time with the technology and stuff. So, um, it's hard to make to ask somebody to do something again. Yeah, it's really hard to ask somebody to do something again when you've already spent so much time doing it once, and that feels terrible. And I had to do it a couple times. And um, but another thing I've learned is people are often very willing to talk about the work that they do, and like that's why I've like the people that I've featured in the however many episodes we've done, like 40 some episodes. Um, they're all people that I knew were at some point doing something education, education related, either in a official capacity or in an informal capacity. And were willing to like really get into the topic. And that's what I really loved about the whole last year is you take like people who don't have formal educational roles like Jess and Tom from Old Soul. Mm -hmm. But we were able to have a really good conversation about 
how to keep scenes safe and how to like make sure that um people at gigs know that they have resources and stuff and like i think informal education is as valid as education that is fueled by degrees that are specific for educators so um that education is a very broad thing and i think that we all have the capacity to be educators and i think that that's an important thing that i think this podcast has done over the last year shown that what do you think are your top three favorite episodes no that's not (laughs) good um from purely um the basis of how much the conversations blew my mind i think michi's conversation Mm -hmm. is one of my favorites Um, i agree on that one michi is one of those people that is genuinely just a special human being and it's just fascinating just like whenever we get to be around her she's so quiet and calm and then like we had her over for like game night one night and she was just like shitting on everyone in like the funniest ways i'm like god this is so great but like she was literally teaching me things that i had no idea yeah about music therapy is fascinating it's super fascinating uh i really i really loved um chatting with julian primarily because we were able to pull it off and she gave me so much of her time, and mm-hmm. that is still the most streamed episode we've had so far, um, next to the tattoo episode. Um, those are the two most streamed we've had, um, and that tattoo one like just came out, mm-hmm. which is really sick. That's um, awesome. And um, that, and I think the third one is probably my conversation with Nick Bates because mm-hmm. Nick and I. Um, we're not like, we haven't spent a whole lot of time together, but the few times we have, like, he's one of those guys that he's a, he is an educator. Like he is an educator. Like he embodies it. And he's one of those people that is pretty soft spoken and is not like a dick about it. And I love (laughs) that. And knowing that I can be a dick about it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but then like of the conversations you had, I loved your conversation with Lauren mm-hmm. is fucking cool. Um, and I really, 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 really loved our conversation with Vince. Um, because uh, Vince is one of those people that we had two hours of, infra- of mm-hmm. audio with him. He's <laughs> one of those guys that just is an endless pool of information. And I loved that. I loved that about him. And your chat with Ge- uh, with Gethard, with Gilbert was great, too. Uh, F, if I could get a chat with Gethard. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. With with Gilbert was really great, too. Yeah, that one was really fun to record. Yeah. Sick. We've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. I'm, that's, like, what's been so wild to me is, like, I had this little idea, and then I've kind of thrown it out to a few people here and there, and, like, Cy was, like, the first musician that I reached out to to really have this... That conversation was really cool, too. It was. Uh, It's really cool to, like, it branched, I think, very naturally into also uh, involving musicians. Because Mm -hmm. I think musicians have a very cool role in sharing education through their platforms. And that's why I've loved talking to, like, Cy and Matt from Animal Flag. Because, like, a lot of their, the work that they do with their bands is, like, they also put so much of the proceeds of everything they do Mm -hmm. to like great organizations and they spend time like putting out information at at their gigs and Shauna um, from war on women. Shauna from war on women is Mm -hmm. one of the most passionate, vibrant activists there are today. Like the fact that she even agreed to do it was amazing (laughs) to me. And like Derek Zanetti of homeless Mm -hmm. gospel choir. I literally tweeted him. I was like, yeah. hey, I just have this p- punk podcast. Would you want to do it? That was my tweet. And he goes, yeah, email this person. <laughs> and I had it within a week. I was in his green room the next week talking about what we could talk about. And then we had the Skype interview a week and a half later. And now I text him. Like, that's so fucking weird to me. <laughs> and we had an entire month. All of April was just with musicians. Like, that's wild. And 
it's been really cool to also just see like a bunch of record labels support us too. Well, and then you just recently, well, I guess not that recently, started doing in between spins with Dra- Jacqueline. Oh too. yeah, that's been, that was like a really cool. So uh, Jacqueline had this idea to do like a music podcast and just like uh, asked for suggestions, and I was like, let's just put it under the brand, like let's co-brand it. Uh, that could be really cool. And Jacqueline's become like one of my favorite human beings um, because she's just got this big love for music. She loves supporting people. She's a DIY through and through human being. And getting to do those episodes is super fun. And bringing in other people outside of like the education realm is nice mm-hmm. um, because I still think there's a shit ton to learn from those people. So that's been a really cool project and I get to cross promote uh, a lot of the work that she does. Um, which again, go to inbetweenspins.com support <laughs> Jacqueline O'Connell, one of the greatest people alive today. Back to you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Jacqueline is wonderful. Um, <laughs> I don't want her to listen to this and be like, why did Katie think that was so funny? No, I, you're wonderful. Um, anyway. I think it's more of the way I, I sent it back yeah. to you. Yeah. Back to you. I used Cotton. to do, I used to do uh, like Facebook posts where I would say, I would like give information. I would be like, this happened, this happened, this happened. And now here's Evan with the weather. And then at, like I'd tag my friend Evan and he'd you're come so in weird. and give a little weather Is report. Is Evan your weatherman friend? No, Evan. Oh, damn. Uh, Nick, who we had on the podcast. Yeah. Um, no, that Ev- one was early on. That was early on. And that was that a great one. episode too. It with was. Nick that was and fascinating. Sophie. Yeah, I need to bring the I need to bring them back on. Um, we have a year's worth of people listed on our door. Yeah, but you never know when I could get a nice weather update from Nick <laughs> Lilja. Maybe I'll just start make a, a bunch of new segments where I just bring people back for like a second and just like, hey, give folks an update about your life or your work. <gasps> it's a great idea for a segment. Oh Don't God. take that, Katie Ham. It's my idea. I, I'm not gonna take it. What were um, we talking about? Oh yeah, I would send Facebook like I, on the yeah, post. I would to, tell people weather. Evan. I would tell people to like continue the joke, and then that would get. And they continued fun. the joke. Oh yeah. College you got was good friends. College was wild, dude. <laughs> college was wild. So speaking of the giant list that we've got on our door, mm-hmm. um, what's what's coming up? For the podcast in the I next don't know. Year. I don't want to spoil shit for people. No, but I mean, like, do you have any plans for, like, what you might want to do? Um, yeah, I'm trying to reach out. I want to get um, some folks that I know um, in different parts of, like, even campus culture and um, the like the greater higher ed in general. Because when I initially wanted to make this podcast... I I wanted to make it in um in reaction to a lot of the other like higher ed podcasts or blog mm-hmm. groups that only feature names in the field or like people who have audiences already or yeah. have name recognition and I did not want to do that at all. Granted, with some of the musicians we brought in it's been a little, a little bit different, mm-hmm. but for real with a lot of the educators I'm really trying to stick with that. And so, um, like even on that, on that board over there, there's a lot of names that are folks that I know are personally doing amazing work and folks listening to this podcast may have no idea who any of them are. Mm -hmm. Um, like we recently aired the conversation with Connor McLaughlin and that's a guy who does like punk ethics work and that's fascinating. And I had my buddy Ben McNamee who was also on the podcast message me and tell me that that was his favorite episode of the podcast so far. And it's just so great to continue hearing that. Like every episode we get that kind of feedback. And I love that. Um, there are a few mus- musicians that I want to try to bring on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly lined up with uh, album releases, but um, there are a few people on the list. I have a couple to... too. Yeah. And there are a couple of your friends from back home that are up there too. So mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to hopefully see, 
a monthly thing from Katie Ham. That'd be really cool. I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> You 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 can do your best. I'm just gonna keep trying to put out good conversations. That's all I want to do. I love doing this. Like it's a fun part of my week. For as much work as it is, it's really <laughs> fun because I get to just take some time and relax and just talk to someone because that's like not what a lot of people get to do anymore. We we just text all the time or email. I think it's nice because you also are kind of stuck focusing on doing that one thing. That's so hard for me to do, too. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's probably why it kind of feels like a break to you. Because... But it, it's also really hard because I fidget so much when I sit or like I, I play with things while I yeah. listen to people, which takes the most time uh, for editing because I have to edit all those noises out. So mm-hmm. FYI, I edit a lot of my noises out. <laughs> Interesting. You're you gotta welcome. gotta find a quiet fidget thing. Yeah, maybe. I'll leave my fidget spinner at work, though. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm really excited to bring you a new tune from the new Retirement Party album, which is called Somewhat Literate. You've been hearing the album throughout this uh, episode. We've already played a couple songs for you. But right now we're going to do an entire break so that you can hear the song Scene 48. This album was released on Counterintuitive Records just a couple weeks ago. I recently met Jake, who runs Counterintuitive Records, over the weekend, and he was a really nice guy. I even picked up the vinyl copy of this album. You can go to counterintuitiverecords.com and get yourself a vinyl record version of it or a CD version of it. Or you can go to retirementparty.bandcamp.com and get a free digital download of the album. So there's, like, no reason to not download this album. Throw them a couple bucks if you want. If you really like it, throw them a couple bucks. And yeah, right now we're going to play a song called Scene 48 off the new Retirement Party album, Somewhat Literate. Sometimes I think that I can do anything But then I sit down and qualitatively analyze My acute sense of awareness for my
That was scene 48 by Retirement Party. If you like what you heard, go to counterintuitiverecords.com and get yourself a physical copy of the album or go to retirementparty.bandcamp.com and get yourself a free digital download right now or stream it. What are you waiting for? Just go do that, like right now. All right, let's wrap up this conversation with me and my best friend, Katie Ham. All right, I guess we can do a lightning round. Yeah. I did one for you back in the day. You mean like I answered the questions? Yeah. 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 So should I do one? That's what I'm saying. Is is that what we should do? That's what I was suggesting. First question. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Favorite color. Uh, Orange and red. Go Beavs! And Trailblazers? And red for Trailblazers. Because the other complementary color is black, obviously. Yes. Um... Favorite book? Uh, As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner and The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. And you have tattoos for both, for both of those, those right? Books. And Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. So all three of those. Oh, and hey, I have a tattoo. Remember when you well. cried when you saw that book? Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> we saw the original one in DC? Yeah, it was the first yeah. edition at the Museum of Art and History. I don't know. Or it was like something. Um,. Speaking of tattoos, what's your favorite tattoo that you have? Oh, goodness. Um, Or favorite couple. I really like my Bender tattoo. Fun on a bun. Fun on a bun. And for as much as it hurt, I really like my shin tattoo. (laughs) The ship. Um, I just think it looks harsh. And that's what I like. It just looks so brutal. Um, uh, And I really like my chest piece, which I need to get colored in. Which is a hummingbird. It's a hummingbird because they have the fastest heart rate of all animals. And that's kind of... You. It's my favorite bird, if that's not a question you want to ask. <laughs> favorite bird! <laughs> hummingbird. <laughs> Don't even have to think. Nope. Favorite food. My favorite food? Uh, sushi. Favorite... Sushi and hot tamale candy. You are so about those. Um, favorite place you've ever traveled? Oh, goodness. Um... My favorite place I've traveled is Montreal. We've been going like every summer, so yeah. I'm excited to go again soon. Uh, favorite TV show? Oh, boy. Not uh, counting anime, because the next question is going to be that. Oh, sick. Um, <laughs> Arrested Development, even though I still haven't touched the new season because I don't know how I feel about it because <laughs> of that shitty interview that came out. Um, I also really love 30 Rock. I think everyone likes 30 Rock. If you don't, Quit listening to this podcast because I don't care about you. Uh, it's so good. I don't. I'm not apologizing for that. Uh, Futurama and King of the Hill. Okay. Favorite anime? Uh, Tokyo Ghoul. Current. I, I've The new season of Tokyo Ghoul is nuts. Uh, I also really like My Hero Academia right now. It's going great. But I also just finished The Future Diary. And that one is like... I might... So I haven't rewatched a lot of anime because I'm just trying to power through so much. Mm-hmm. But that one I might have to go back through. And I also really like Soul Eater. And if we were talking about movies, Howl's Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke. And um, Paprika. Hmm. I don't know that last I've time. never done drugs, but if I did drugs, I'd watch Paprika. Paprika. Um, who is your favorite wrestler? Um, all time and then current. So all time, it's uh, Chris Jericho and Mr. Perfect. Um, and current, probably Kevin Owens and um, Alistair Black. Mm. All right. No man is ever truly good. <laughs> no man is ever truly evil. What would your entrance music be? Parallels by Misery Signals. I get that song no, just like gets me it's, hype. Yeah, it's great. No footprints before me. Yep, it's um, a good song. It <clears throat> is. It's a good song. Maybe we'll end the episode with that song. Yeah, because we've talked about it now. I can do that. <laughs> Technically, I can play a minute of that song. <laughs> Fair um, use. <laughs> what 
what is your favorite record that you own? Oh, no. Um, Dredge's El Cielo, because it took me the longest to get and will be one that I will not get rid of. But that one, just because it's like likely my favorite album of all time. Okay. Uh, that and Catch for Us the Foxes by Me Without You. Both of those records are records I will probably die with. It's a weird thing to say, but... <laughs> you mean you'll be cremated with? Yeah, I will be I'm cremated. I'm going to say, I hope you're not holding them while you die. It's also wild <laughs> to like think that I'm going to get like 11 more Me Without You tattoos. <laughs> what is... Your favorite uh, band of of all time? I mean, we kind of we kind of talked about this the other day. Yeah, but I think the most influential band for me is Me Without You. Um, personal favorite though would pro- like in terms of just like what you like jamming at the drive-in. Um, Circus Survive is up there too. Sufjan Stevens, Tegan and Sarah. Best live show you've seen. Touche More. Touche More and Manchester Orchestra. Those two bands are like my two favorite live bands. The answer is Every Time I Die, though. Every Time I Die puts on a sick gig. (laughs) But you have those feelings. Like you have you have more attached to them than I do. No, I I know that. I'm just saying like seeing I feel like objectively they put on the They best put show. on they put on a really good show. <laughs> I will say that seeing Bonavera live the first time I saw him was like a religious experience uh which is nuts to think about and um He's from Wisconsin. The second time I saw 30 Seconds to Mars was super sweet. That was with Chiodos. Two band Bill don't see many of those these days. Mm-mm. If you could tell your, I don't know, like 15-year-old self something, what would you tell 15-year-old Craig? I would tell 15-year-old Craig to not worry about what people think. Because I think that that has, that limited me a lot growing up. Because as much as I was trying to like, be counter to everyone i still couldn't get out of my own head and um i would have definitely uh told 15 year old craig to stop repressing your queerness (laughs) because that's gonna bug the shit out of you for another nine years uh eight years and you really just need to like go for it thanks for thanks for being my best friend Thanks for being my best friend. (sighs) What a night. Yep. What a day. What a week. What a year. What What a year year of a podcast. I'm very thankful for everyone who's listened so far. This was a nice special episode. Hope you like the new brand. And you're all great. All right, that's it. We did it. Uh, One year. We've made it one year with this podcast. I hope y'all learned a little bit in this episode, a little bit about me, a little bit about my best friend Katie Ham. Uh, hopefully, uh, you got to the end here. Uh, I don't know how many times we said that's wild in this episode, but it's probably enough to start a drinking game. Uh, if that's your thing, I know that not everyone who listens to the podcast is straight edge, but Hey, if you want to go back through and listen, why not? Uh, I want to thank a lot of people. I want to thank Katie for being great. I want to thank, um, uh, Lauren Lavin for creating our new, uh, uh, logo, Jacqueline O'Connell for being a, monthly featured co-host for the in between spins uh podcast i want to thank every label that has supported us in the last year spartan records 6131 records counterintuitive records native sound records near mint records sounds and tones records uh am i forgetting any record labels all of the bands sharp tooth war on women uh Formerly known as People Like You, but uh, really from <laughs> uh, Animal Flag, Homeless Gospel Choir, Julian Baker, uh, The Great Heights Band, 
all of these bands need to be supported. All of those musicians need to be supported. Please continue supporting music. That is one of the coolest things about this podcast is bringing the world of education and music together to fight fascism, to fight all the other bullshit out there that's trying to keep us down. Fight it! Uh, This week you got to hear tunes from the new Retirement Party album. Again, go to counterintuitiverecords.com if you want to get a a physical copy of the album. And go to retirementparty.bandcamp.com if you want to just get a digital download of the album. Either one works works for me. Just as long as you're listening to it and supporting uh, up-and-coming bands. That's all I really want y'all to do. That'd be really sick if you could do that. Um, yeah, not a whole lot else left. Just thanks for everyone who stuck around. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at EdupunksPod. And I'm going to leave you with what would be my wrestling entrance music if I were a professional wrestler like we just referenced. So enjoy the hell out of that. We still have a lot of work to do. Let's get to work. <laughs>